This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone, on this uh, surprisingly balmy kind of afternoon. Greg, have you been outside today? No. <laughs> it is actually kind of steamy out there. It's uh, sticky. The last few days of summer, just steaming away. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, a lot of that is that the, that weather that's being pushed up our way yeah. from the tropics, so to speak. And we'll hear more about that now in a minute. But just another reminder, and you just gave it out there in the traffic. The westbound lanes of Pitts Memorial from Newgower to Kilbride will be closed this evening from 7 to 9. So if you're heading from the downtown, westward uh you're gonna have to take i guess topsail road take the long way yeah, yeah uh take the long way home as um super tramp once <laughs> said um so but be aware that traffic on topsail road might be a little bit heavy too well that's the thing because right? of that every time something like that happens a closure for whatever reason just everything else gets bottlenecked so yeah just have a bit of patience when you're traveling this evening yeah absolutely and you know the kids are enjoying the last few sweet evenings of summer so uh you know uh, be aware of that too because uh topsail road there's a lot of kids up and around topsail oh, yeah. road and hazelwood and all those areas so please be careful and um the closure is necessary to facilitate the jacking of a beam for repair work now i could try to sound like i know what that means <laughs> but i have no earthly idea except Sounds cool. except that it probably would disrupt traffic so yeah, yeah. there we go big work <laughs> but yeah it's it's sticky out there right now well the canadian hurricane center continuing to track storm activity in the atlantic but at this time it looks like hurricane franklin is going to give us a pass that doesn't necessarily mean however that we're in the clear weather wise environment canada meteorologist david neal joins me now hey david hey how's it going today good good man is it ever muggy out there yeah, it looks like it's a little bit uh, a little bit sticky there in uh, in the in the metro area. Seeing uh, um, temperature around 22, with humid X around 28. So yeah, a little uh, a little on the sticky side in there right now. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you know, we know this time of year is usually when all that moisture and warm air gets pushed up into our area. Is that what's going on here? Uh, what we've seen the past few days is we, we has been a fairly persistent southerly flow, so that has brought up some of those uh, warmer, more moist conditions uh, into uh, parts of the island. But uh, we do we do expect uh, a little bit of a change in uh, in winds right now. Actually, I just saw the uh, at St. John's Airport winds have gone more westerly. We're expecting that to kind of continue uh, over the next uh, the next few hours, and that uh, should start to see uh, that, uh, that 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 some of those. Uh, uh, human values start to uh, start to come down a little bit as we get into uh, kind of late afternoon and evening. Well, that's a relief uh, for people as they're getting ready for bed, we'll say. But uh, um, so we have this contrast. We have these uh, sticky, muggy conditions in some areas, and in other areas, we're getting frost. Uh, well, we've seen uh, some some cooler temperatures certainly a few days uh, a few days ago. Um, as it as it stands right now. Um, 
generally uh, generally not seeing too too much of a uh, of a risk there now in the next little while. So looking tonight in parts of central, uh, possibly getting down again to single digits. But uh, uh, certainly a couple of days ago, we did have uh, a couple of areas that got uh, fa- fairly uh, fairly cool overnight. So uh, we're all watching uh, Hurricane Franklin, but uh, that track is changing dramatically. It looks like he might bypass us. Uh, yeah, certainly the last, uh, the last couple of days we've been keeping a very close eye on it, and uh, certainly a lot of the uh, uh, the track forecasts and what we've been seeing with uh, a lot of the, the model tracks, that uh, it has been nudging more towards the south, uh, still kind of expecting to uh, uh, to track along and, and likely skirt the southern Grand Banks as, uh, as the uh, the, f- um, the track forecast is looking right now. But again, this is still getting a few days out. So uh, with with these uh, with these systems and with this uh, with these uh, track forecasts, obviously still quite a bit of uncertainty uh, right now. Does look like it is going to track fairly far away from the island, but there are still some, a few, a few holdouts uh, in some of our some of the track guidance that still want to push that a little bit closer to uh, uh, to the Avalon Peninsula. So we're we're certainly going to keep a very close eye on Franklin as it uh, as it continues up along uh, towards our neck of the woods over the next few days. So generally speaking, as this moves northward, or northeastward, I suppose, uh, what would we expect? Uh, a bit of uh, precipitation or is it going to be uh, wet, more wet than windy? Now, at this, at this stage, basically, we, lo- we have a little bit of a fly in the ointment with this system. In fact, that Franklin, even if it does uh, kind of maintain that track and track well away from the island, we have another uh, uh, low-pressure system, another storm that's coming up along the U.S. east coast, uh, kind of around the same time that Franklin is, is moving its way uh, towards kind of the north-northeast. That system itself uh, may t- there's some indications that's going to tap into some of that tropical moisture that uh, uh, that we have down south uh, with not with Franklin and a little bit with uh, 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 um, Adelia, uh, so or Adalia. Uh, so that's uh, that moisture. It looks like that's going to move across Atlantic Canada, uh, kind of in the Wednesday Thursday time frame, especially for Newfoundland. Starts to move in uh, through the day on Wednesday. So even without Franklin really coming overly close to the island, uh, still likely going to be a very wet couple of days uh, coming up mid midweek. And it's been a bit of a wet latter part of August anyway, hasn't it? Yeah, we've seen a few uh, a few systems that have brought uh, brought some wet uh, wet weather over the course of uh, over the course of August uh, as it stands right now. Um, so yeah, this uh, this is just going to continue. And I mean, we're getting right to the last <laughs> the last days of August when this thing uh, comes up. So that's going to uh, certainly uh, kind of keep, keep things uh, quite on the wet side. Just kind of looking uh, in terms of uh, kind of. Statistically, and looking in, in with uh, with regards to normal, uh, parts of the island have seen above normal precipitation. Not not you know a great amount above normal at this point, but a few spots along the south coast and and, and parts of western uh, have seen a little bit more precipitation than normal up to this point. And certainly, if we get that uh, those those heavy uh, periods of rain that we're uh, uh, that we're kind of looking at now for mid part of this week, right by right before the end of uh, of August, that's going to uh, likely bump that. Uh, bump that up uh, a little to a little bit more above normal for this month 
Any other major systems that you're watching churning away there in the Atlantic? Uh, well, as I mentioned uh, earlier, really the really the focus right now is on not only on Franklin but on that other system that's going to move across uh, move across the region uh, middle of this week. Uh, and of course, we are still uh, keeping a little eye out on uh, what is currently Tropical Storm Adalia, uh, but may uh, is is forecast to uh, to intensify to a hurricane as well. Right now, that doesn't look like it is going to uh, impact our neck of the woods, but. The uh, kind of looking ahead at uh, at the tracks, you know, the tracks only going out seven days, uh, or out to uh, yeah, out to Saturday. Um, at that point, it's still uh, st- still well south of us, so something we're going to kind of keep an eye on. Right now, it doesn't look like it's going to impact us, but again, it's so far out at this point that uh, uh, certainly uh, as we get past uh, this coming weekend, uh, kind of see how that one is uh, is moving along. So certainly a, a busy time. Uh, for uh, over uh, the next next few days, for sure. Busy and wet by the sounds of it. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> David Neal, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So, Greg, uh, a lot more moisture coming our way. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Are you able to keep up with the lawn lately? Do you find the lawn is just oh, like... I- <sighs> You can actually hear it growing? Yeah, I got uh, lucky. I got a great neighbor who always has care of my front lawn for me. God love him. Uh, my back lawn probably needs a little attention right now, but, uh, you know, chasing around a toddler doesn't uh, doesn't make it easy to do that sometimes. You still got the puppy? Oh, yeah. So there's always a surprise left in the grass. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. oh, the grass is high, and oh, man, where are they, too? Where are they? If you if you miss just one day, you're yep. not going to find them. Nope. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so all that moisture, of course, is going to cause that grass to grow even higher. So <laughs> if you've been waiting to mow your lawn, maybe now is the time to be at it. Uh, well, coming up, the Diamond Group finally inks a deal, making the official transfer of ownership of the Stephenville Airport property. This is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. We're back. Uh, Greg, uh, Bob Barker has passed away. Yeah, saw that over the weekend. Uh, sad news. I mean, yeah. I think... Well, I mean, I'm with a lot of boats, but your sick days home from school, you know, you're staying with Nan or the babysitter and you, you will watch your well, who Price did, is Right, right? Who, who's never seen The Price is Right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's a it's a staple. It's a cultural, North American cultural it staple. Is, it's sure. really amazing. You know, come on down. We all know the, the you're the next contestant yep. on The Price is Right sure. to have your pet spayed and neutered, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I saw a couple of people tweet the weekend and post on Facebook saying it's kind of the Medela effect because they thought Bob Barker passed away years ago but he lived to be 99 I mean, what an age imagine imagine and and quite active right up yeah. until recent years anyway um so yeah very sad when you sure. when you get some of these cultural icons yeah. uh, of that kind of stature and that kind of age i think we all collectively kind of feel it don't we For even sure. though we have no real you know, personal connection. Yeah. But uh, culturally, they become part of the there's, fabric. It just seems there's more and more lately, too, which is 
you know, you just hear about all these people that you look up to. I mean, we, Tony Bennett, Tony you know? Bennett, for example. Yeah, I mean, that was a big one recently too. And I remember when Betty White passed away. Right, was not, doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but I guess almost coming up in a couple of years now. But you know, she was at that same age too. It's just, yeah, it's it's hard to hear those things sometimes, and people certainly uh, gravitate towards sharing their memories. Although, yeah, they didn't know those people. They certainly feel it. Yeah, for sure. Well, in other news, the Stephenville International Airport now officially part of the Diamond Group of Companies. It's been a Long time coming, but the transfer of ownership has now been finalized. Carl Diamond is on the line. Well, hello, Carl Diamond. How are you? Good. So this has been an awful long time in the works. Uh, apparently, uh, it was all signed off on, I understand, on Friday. Is that correct? That's right. I think Friday at 4.38 p.m., so we had 22 minutes in the business day to spare. There you go. So uh, tell us what uh, this uh, new deal for Stephenville Airport means. Uh, it means a lot of opportunity in the area for uh, the people that live there now and future generations. So what are your plans there exactly? Because I know there's some concerns and some questions that are swirling about whether or not uh, the airport will continue to operate as an airport, whether or not the lighting project will be completed, whether or not you're going to, as you had initially planned, to uh, build drones at the site. Uh, What are your plans there? So we we continue to operate the airport as an airport. Like uh, I could have bought land anywhere to do anything else. But uh, this airport is is exactly what it's going to be moving forward. There's going to be um, scheduled services, commercial traffic. Uh, there's going to be cargo. There's going to be manufacturing. Everything that we said we were originally going to do with this airport is what we're going to do with it. So I know there's concerns because this took a long time, but our plans have not changed. We just got pushed back because of unforeseen circumstances. So what is your uh, uh, first priority, I suppose, now that uh, this uh, process has been settled? Well, we want to normalize operations on there. Um, We've done all the new contracting for the employees. They were all given a $10 an hour raise because of uh, their commitment to this airport in the course of their employment. Uh, then we want to put some hangers on there. We have some uh, hangers coming in the next uh, month or so that we're going to put up there to house the new equipment we have coming, uh, to be able to house aircraft uh, when they come in to save them from the, the sea spray that comes off the water there. Um, so our plans are just to uh, build out as much infrastructure now as we can. And why Stephenville? What attracted you about this particular facility? Uh, I'm from Newfoundland originally. I'm from St. John's. So I wanted to move home. I want to uh, be around my parents and all my siblings, my nieces, my nephews, my aunts and uncles, and my grandparents. Everyone is in Newfoundland. I have nobody in Ontario. Uh, so, you know, we always wanted to move home. I want my kids to grow up around uh, their grandparents and I said, my aunts and uncles, my brothers, my sister, my nieces, my nephews. Um, really, that's what it comes down to is, is we wanted to move home. When we saw the opportunity of um, this airport being available to us, we thought that was just, you know, a sign uh, that this was supposed to happen. So what what are your long-term plans there? I mean, it's going to continue to operate as a commercial airport, as you say, but uh, are you planning on expanding it, building it? Uh, What kind of uh, facilities are going to be going into some of these hangars that you're going to be building there? Um, You know, what are the plans? 
Our plans are to have a, a new terminal uh, being built in, over the next couple of years. Like we're starting now in the new year uh, with those plans. Um, we want to have a paint shop. We want to have maintenance, repair, and overhaul facilities. Uh, we want to be able to do fleet management for business jets. Uh, we want to facilitate all the work that uh, World Energy and other hydrogen producers are going to be doing in the area. They certainly need an airport to bring in workers and, and stuff like that. So, um, honestly, all of the above is what we're looking to do there. Like, we think this is going to be a key hub uh, for business in Stephenville and surrounding areas. So, uh, the future is really bright for what's going to happen. Any changes from the original plans uh, in, in terms of this new, um, the terms of agreement that were signed on Friday? No, no, there is no, uh, there is no change in plans at all. Like I said, we want to operate this as a, as a commercial airport with scheduled services. Um, we want to do cargo. We want to do manufacturing. Having the MROs and the paint shops and and all those periphery businesses come in uh, is just the icing on the cake for us. And when can uh, residents of Stephenville and people working at the uh, at the site uh, when can they start noticing some changes? In the next week or so, like even this morning, we were changing out the sign and, and putting up some new signage around the airport. Uh, the vehicles become an X with our with our new logos on the sides of those. I've seen those around town, and then the uh, infrastructure, like the new hangars and uh, shelters coming in, will be going up in the next um, you know three to four weeks, and and that'll be jobs for people in the area to erect those new hangars. And how does this fit in with your current business model? Uh, you know, what what is your focus? Our focus now is going to be really airport management. Um, when we started designing drones years ago, um, we went to a bank and asked, you know, how do we get finance for drones? And they said, well, if you had somewhere to build them, that would be much easier. So we said, well, I jokingly said, I'll buy an airport. Uh, and then we went ahead and did it. And uh, we... Yeah, we really focus on that now. Like we've, uh, we still do cybersecurity, we still do physical security, but now that's more of an internal um, focus for us, where we secure our own systems and we make sure that uh, what we're doing on here is protected. So it's, uh, it's really that's our focus now is is airport management and uh, and manufacturing of our drones through our aerospace program. Carl Diamond, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Linda. I hope you have a wonderful day. So Carl Diamond, of course, is the uh, owner of the Diamond Group of Companies based in Ottawa. And uh, Mayor Tom Rose of Stephenville effusive about this deal this morning. But there were concerns that were raised uh, because it had taken so long for this uh, deal to finally um, be finalized. Um, so that had raised uh, quite a few questions and some doubts that uh, it might go ahead. But uh, the deal inked on Friday and the Diamond Group of Companies, now the owner of Stephenville International Airport. Well, if you have any thoughts on that, you are certainly welcome to give us a call. Well, coming up, the Umbrella Group representing the local groundfish industry calling on DFO to resume its scientific surveys now that the cod fishery in 3KL has closed. As you know, there haven't been any scientific surveys, I think, for the last two years uh, because uh, primarily of problems with the uh, research vessels and getting them up and running, not to do with the science itself, but the, the vessels that carry the scientists, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, we'll hear from 
from um, the Newfoundland and Labrador Groundfish Industry Development Council. Jim Baird is uh, waiting in the wings. Uh, we'll have that coming up now in just a few minutes' time. This is News Talk on VOCM. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. And we're back. Well, the Newfoundland and Labrador Groundfish Industry Development Council is disappointed with the closure of the cod fishery in Area 3KL and wants to see scientific surveys resume as quickly as possible. Jim Baird is chair of the GIDC and he joins me now. Hello, Jim Baird. Hello, Linda. How are you today? Great. So the Newfoundland and Labrador Groundfish Industry Development Council, um, none too pleased with uh, DFO's decision to close the summer fishery in Division 3KL. Uh, Tell us what's behind this decision and what it means. Well, it's not that we're opposed to the closure of the fishery. The, The quota for the summer or the allowance for the summer fishery has been reached or just about reached, so it would make sense to close it. But what we believe is that this is, there's been a missed opportunity in 2023. Uh, during, at the end of 2022, we all realized it was a great year fishing cod in 3K, 2J3KL. Catch rates were high, condition, cod quality was good, and so on. And the summer fishery lasted about four weeks. This year, it lasted just, lasted just over five weeks, one extra week. But it was a slow start to the fishery because other processes were processing other fish. Crab, crab fishery said that late this year people were doing that others were, others were processing capelin and so on so not everybody bought cod in the first couple of weeks of the fishery but after they started to buy cod the fishery picked up just like it was last year super catch rates were good like I said uh, quality was good uh, size was good and so on and so forth but in 2020, at the end of 2022 we all realized that maybe we could have a higher quota than 12,000 uh, 12,999 12, tons. So we developed a proposal to the Minister for the Minister of Fisheries and Oceans for an increase of about 17,000 tons. And that was supported by a broad cross-section of the industry. The Groundfish Council, of course, supported it. The Fish Food, the FFAW supported it. The Association of Seafood Producers supported it. The Newfoundland and Labrador Provincial Government were on side. And several Newfoundland MPs brought our case or brought the case for an increase to uh, the minister's office. Anyway, the minister didn't endorse the proposal. She didn't increase the quota. She left it like it was, a rollover from last year to this year, 12999 And we believe that's because there's been no stock assessment for the past two years. So no surveys in 2021 or 2022, uh, no assessment in 2021 or 2022. And that was detrimental to what would happen in 2023. Had there been a survey, we would have expected some kind of an increase in quota. So what we believe is that it's, it's clearly very important that DFO uh, uh, maintain their responsibility for doing these assessments. It's not the scientists' fault, by the way. There was no surveys because the vessels weren't ready. Now, scientists don't repair the vessels. They work on them, but they don't repair them. But uh, vessels were late being repaired, and two years, surveys were missed, so assessments were missed. So do you expect these surveys to resume now? Um, I think they've been delayed again this fall, have they not? Well, we've, we've, we've had some indications from meetings with DFO earlier in the summer that they believe that things are looking a lot better than they have in the past. So we're hopeful. Uh, but we'll have some meetings with DFO again in September, 
and uh, uh, both from a science and a management perspective. And uh, we'll be pushing that again, that there be a survey in 2023. See, without like this is a long-standing survey. Like these fall surveys for 2J, 3K, have been undergoing since the uh, since the 1970s, late 70s, early 80s, and and it's a long time series, and it's an important time series because it's not just used for cod; it's used for turbot, it's used for crab, it's used for shrimp. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, species uh, with the science uh, more in more question because of the lack of this survey. So what have your members been noticing out on the water? Well, this year, this year again, so we have harvesters our members, the FFA, all of our members of our group, and there are several processors who are members. And for the past two years, we've seen more cod around close to land than we've seen in the previous number of years prior to 2022. We've seen the catch rates, the catch per net is higher than we've seen. Well, the catch per week has been higher than we've observed in the past. The fish has been of decent condition, good condition, 85 to 90 percent grade A, and the size and quality this year is pretty good. And 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 if you've been around any wharfs in the summertime, and you've seen people land cod any wharfs, you'll notice that uh, I was in Pity Harbour and watched people land some cod. It was all uh, exceptional size, good size stuff, you know. And uh, they were they were getting ready to to, to sell some for fresh and some going in the salt so uh, all all a very good year in uh, uh, from all aspects from, from with regard to cod and like you say the condition of the fish is good too fish condition was good nice and thick flesh and so on and so forth early on in this in the uh, in the fishery the stomachs were full bit of cape went around that cleared out quickly after the fishery started but when the stomachs are full of cape while the flesh was good at the start it doesn't hold up as long you know, it wasn't. It was in the plant much longer than a couple of days. It just, just the flesh would tend to, to soften a little bit, but that cleared up quickly. That was for the first week or so of the fishery. That was last week of July. So, uh, throughout then, from then till now, things have been pretty good. Now the fishery is going to continue in 2J because they have, as you if you realize, they had their own allocation this year and last year, and uh, so they were not and they don't have a fall and summer fishery per se. They have one fishery throughout. And that's continuing for the next couple of weeks. But in 3KL, the fishery closed on Sunday and won't reopen again until September 9th. So what are you asking uh, of uh, the federal fisheries minister and or DFO? Well, we're, at, we're, we're asking to ensure that there's a survey or the research vessels are ready to do the survey in 2022, 2023, I'm sorry, so the scientists can successfully complete an assessment of this stock in spring of 2024, before the 2024 uh, stewardship fishery. Uh, we're not asking for any change in the quotas now. We've had our we've had our uh, our uh, debates with the department, and we've submitted our proposals on that earlier in the year, as did others, as I've mentioned, a list of those who did. So there's no we're not going to change that now. Uh, we don't expect to, but we we are really uh, uh, hopeful that uh, a new assessment will occur before the next fishery. Jim Baird, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. Bye now. And Jim Baird is the Newfoundland and Labrador Groundfish Industry Development uh, Council Chair. Um, and, uh, you know, he raises uh, an interesting point. He wants to see those fall surveys resume. Uh, he's getting indications that 
could be possible, but uh, um, we're seeing, and the FFAW has been saying the same thing, uh, we're seeing sort of the um, fallout from a lack of surveys over the last couple of years because a lot of quotas are just rolling over and may not necessarily, according to some people uh, who are making these observations anecdotally, um, uh, may not reflect the actual um, you know, health of the stocks and the like. Well, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. Um, notice this, uh, Greg. I don't know if you've been in the market or know anybody who's been in the market, market but um, this whole notion of interest rate increases and, and the like and the cost of a new car or vehicle going up, up, up. Mm -hmm. uh, demand is high for used cars, and it's getting harder and harder to find a quality used car these days, or a used truck for that matter. Um, there's a shortage of vehicles for sale, even as the auto sector recovers from supply chain issues caused by the pandemic. DeRossier Automotive Consultants says dealers are having a hard time getting used cars, and pro uh, pr they project a slowdown in sales in the coming months because they're simply not available. People are, one, either hanging onto their cars longer, or if a good quality used car comes on the market... It Done. gets snapped. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely is. I actually have been in the market. When I was off uh, earlier this month, I was car shopping, and there's no inventory anywhere. New cars, used cars are hard to find, too. And, uh, you know, we do the bit every Saturday morning with Terranova Motors, and, and Chris always says, you know, they got trade-ins coming in all the time, but trying to find used vehicles, I mean, he's always sourcing out stuff, trying to find what people are looking for. But it's not easy out there these days, that's for sure. No, for sure. So, I mean, it, you know, the impacts are so wide-ranging, and you don't sometimes see how much the economy is affected by other aspects of life uh, until you're in that position and you you know you're like hey wait a minute yeah why aren't there any used cars around <laughs> you know what i mean yeah for sure it's it's uh it's a funny business there these days but everything's been impacted you're right i mean until you get in the market for a lot of these things you don't really know how dire some of it is yeah how how much things have uh, really changed well coming up we're going to go back in time and i mean way back this is news talk on vocm stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your vocm join linda swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you news talk on your vocm and we're back. Uh, we were just talking about uh, used cars and the high demand for used cars. Well, there's a huge demand for rental properties, especially this time of year. Are you having trouble finding a place to rent? Well, you are not alone. It's especially tough on students trying to find a place to stay as post-secondary institutions resume classes. Holly Halfyard of Crown Property Management spoke with VOCM Morning Show co-host Jerry Lynn Mackey this morning, and I, I, I feel like like this um, interview bears repeating. So um, here we go. Right now, the, the rental market is very unfavorable for tenants. Um, housing is extremely difficult to find, and tenants, particularly our, our student tenants, are getting very desperate. Um, I mean, with school starting next week, it's it's really, really upsetting to think that there are a large portion of, of students who, who don't have housing. Um, it's, it's very unfortunate. And, you know, as a property manager, this is something that we deal with every Every single day, and it's very, very difficult. 
and I mean, in your past experience, have you ever seen it this tight, so close to crunch time? No, never. Um, now, over the past few years, of course, the, the rental market has dramatically changed. When I first started with um, with Crown, I um, I originally was in the role as a, as a leasing agent. And I mean, when I would show properties, I would have, I'd say there was probably one or two prospective tenants there looking at different homes. But now we're seeing just lineups of, of tenants trying to secure housing. And with it being so last minute, it's very scary to think that they, they may not have anywhere to, to go for next week. We are doing our absolute best to try and make sure that anyone who contacts us does have accommodations. Um, the issue that we're seeing, though, Jerry Lynn, especially, you know, I, I I think that over the past few years, once the the real estate market really picked up, then that significantly impacted the rental market. Um, I mean, really, especially right now with with interest rates so high, there's not really much incentive for investors to invest in real estate. So not a lot of people are buying. Um, and I mean, obviously that's contributing to the, the available inventory of rental markets in the city. I know even some of our own clients, for instance, um, they they had two options really to, to keep up with the increasing mortgage costs, which is sell or increase the rent. And ultimately neither option is good for tenants, right? So right now we're trying to help all tenants who contact us the best we can, but the issue is that there's just not enough available rentals in the city to place tenants, and that's that's very scary. Are you seeing students turn to temporary rental options? We are, and a big thing that I am seeing as well, and this is also not great, um, some of the, the students that I've spoken with, they're living in accommodations that aren't really appropriate for them. Um, we're finding students are staying in overcrowded housing. So it seems like those that are, are lucky enough to secure housing, the accommodations they're in, they're not necessarily suitable. And I mean, especially when you think about the, the, the study year for students, I mean, it's going to be very stressful for them being in university, some of them for the first time. So that's a lot of stress there. But if you're not in a, in a safe environment where you have the ability to effectively study and, and do what you need to do to, to pass. That's that's definitely very scary. So, uh, again, like even the, the tenants that have housing, it's not necessarily the best place for them. Do you have any advice that you would give students who are currently struggling to find suitable housing? Absolutely. So from my experience, I find, um, especially the younger generation, they're going to go on um, outlets like Facebook Marketplace, for instance, and they're going to send off messages probably all day, <laughs> hundreds of messages. My recommendation would be to not send messages over Facebook Marketplace. They're going to get more luck actually speaking with a person. Um, if you can connect with someone on the phone, I think that's going to increase your chances of you know securing a, a property or at least getting that viewing rather than just sending out a generic message over Facebook asking is this still available um, the other side of it too when I when I speak with landlords they're they're overwhelmed as well they're getting hundreds of messages every day and and they're not able to keep up with it so they feel bad that they're not even able to respond to some of these messages so I think if you can get someone on the phone that would certainly be my recommendation so there you go Greg go the old-fashioned way pick up the phone give someone a call if you see a a place up for rent and make that connection personally. 
yeah i mean you know old habits sometimes the way to go these days i mean let's look how facebook and everything's been going lately you can't even get news there for god's sakes <laughs> <laughs> right well that's a whole don't get me started okay, sorry do not get me started that's a whole other thing and i see now google is kind of uh working with the federal government mm-hmm. that's why we haven't seen that change yet but just imagine how that's going to change all of our lives if suddenly you cannot google Canadian news organizations and the the news that we are producing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's shocking. I mean, even in terms of our own archival yeah. um, work, you know, like we often, I will often, you know, many times a day say, oh, uh, what was the date on that? And uh, I'll Google on our own news stories yeah. and say, there's our news story. I can link that to our story now so everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, imagine if that was taken away. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they were talking about. But apparently Google is having that chat uh, with federal officials now to try and find a way forward. But yes, if you're looking for uh, an apartment, uh, Crown Property Management's uh, Holly Halfyard saying, don't just send out all those messages via Facebook Marketplace. Uh, Try, if you can at all, uh, to connect uh, by phone with the person who has the uh, property up for rent. Well, a judge has set a March 4th, 2024 trial date for Donald Trump in the federal case in Washington, charging the former president with trying to overturn the results of the 2020 U.S. election. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin's Monday decision denies a defense request to push the trial back until April of 2026. That's about a year and a half after the 2024 U.S. election. The decision also sets the trial later than the January date proposed by special counsel Jack Smith's team. The trial would come the day before Super Tuesday. The Republican ex-president was charged in a four-count indictment with scheming to undo the election he lost to Democrat Joe Biden. So um, that date set in a U.S. court most recently. The Northwest Territories Legislature meets today to discuss delaying the October 3rd uh, election in that ter- territory until November because of the evacuations caused by the massive wildfires. Some members say there's clear support for the idea. Cooler nights, high humidity, and favorable winds helped keep the fire that's burning near Yellowknife from getting any closer to the town. Uh, but so many people evacuated from that particular area. And about 40 soldiers from the 41 Canadian Brigade Group left left Calgary for British Columbia early this morning to help fire, uh, fight wildfires there. It's part of the Canadian Forces' response to natural disasters. Most of the soldiers are part-time reservists who are deployed to international and domestic missions as needed. And uh, just a terrible situation that's been happening right across Canada when it comes to um, the wildfire situation, the flooding situation in many areas, sometimes flash flooding flooding. I know Ottawa inundated with flash flooding. We saw the flash flooding in Nova Scotia not that long ago. Many Newfoundlanders and Labradorians living in Nova Scotia or thereabouts, uh, also in the Ottawa area where they saw flash flooding recently. It's just been an extraordinary year uh, when it comes to um, uh, these kinds of natural disasters. Um, So, um, you know, it's on all of our minds as of late. Well, To quote Monty Python, now for something completely different. 
and we're back on VOCM News Talk. Well, if you were in paradise on the weekend, you'd be forgiven if you thought you'd traveled back in time. The Newfoundland and Labrador Renaissance Fair was held in Paradise Park Saturday and Sunday. Producer Darren Han says the celebration of all things Renaissance goes beyond just dressing up. He spoke with VOCM Roadshow host Beth Fagan. Well, here the year at the Renaissance Festival, we have two aspects of it. We've got the vendor side of it, where we have vendors that make their own homemade, handmade items. Like we have people here that make their own butter, their own milk, uh, leather work, their own clothing, their own jewelry. A lot of uh, a lot of products like that. We, we we don't have much here that's like mass produced. It's all homemade items. Something that you would see back back in time and this is the second annual renaissance fest is it that's correct yep last year last august was our first one and this is our second and we're actually double the size of what we were last year what were the some of the challenges that you faced this year especially with it being a bigger festival uh really the weather just waiting on the weather especially how the weather has been not that good this summer and we just said a good few prayers and we hoped that the weekend was going to be good and and hopefully and look it turned out well yep what made you want to bring this to newfoundland well i love doing stuff that's different and i've gone to events like this on the mainland and we never had one here before so i said last year well a couple of years ago i've been thinking about it and thinking about it and then i said last year i said okay i'm gonna do it and I just got to work on it because uh, I've been doing festivals and events for about 30 years. And I said, it's time for us to have that. And everyone's asking me now what I'm going to come up with next. <laughs> Is there anything about this weekend that uh, caught you off guard that surprised you? The amount of family participation. A lot like uh, we got a lot of families come in. Uh, the parents are dressed up in costumes, the kids are dressed up, they actually like they come for the full day, bring a blanket, put it in front of stage, watch all the acts, the king and the queen, and watch everything that's going on there. And a lot of families are coming in just making like a full 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 weekend out of it. We're already booked for next year, the same the same week last weekend of August for next year, and we'll be back here at Paradise Park. Well, there you go, Darren Han of uh, the Newfoundland Labrador Renaissance Fair taking us out with a little, I don't know what you would call that. <laughs> uh, there's a term for it for sure. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for joining us today on News Talk. We'll be back tomorrow. Do join us then. Thanks for listening.